I want to welcome everyone to this presentation, which will be provided to us by Brian Harjan. And I want to say, Brian, it is a true honor and pleasure that you could be with us today. This presentation is being provided by BITS Blind Information Technology Specialists. If you are not a member of BITS, you are welcome to join our announce list by sending a message to bits-announce plus subscribe at groups.io. You may also become a member of, by, of BITS by visiting our website bits-acb.org. Now I would like to present Jeff Bishop, who will introduce Brian. Thank you, Erlene. Well, good morning and good afternoon, everyone. My name is Jeff Bishop, and I have the honor in uh, welcoming Brian Harjan to our presentation today. If anyone who has used JAWS in the past, say, five to 10 years, they will probably know the name of Brian Harjan. Brian Harjan is a world-renowned JAWS expert and really is top-notch when it comes to productivity and efficiency. In fact, if you follow Brian on uh, you know, Mastodon and, and other places, you'll, you'll know that this is a constant heartbeat or theme that he represents about making sure that when people are utilizing their screen reader, they're doing it in a way that's productive and efficient to be able to meet their needs. And that's what I love about Brian. He represents literally dozens and dozens of scripts and training modules and training uh, sets of documentation for JAWS and utilizing multiple applications. So we're honored that he's here to talk to us all about how to be more efficient in, in the use of our devices with our screen reader. So without further ado, welcome, Brian, and we're looking forward to your presentation. Thank you very much. My name is Brian Hartgen. Welcome along to my presentation. I've delivered a presentation at the ACB convention for BITS before, and it's my pleasure to do so again. And thanks to the committee of the organization for asking me to do so this time. Some months ago, I was asked to deliver a presentation with the title of Solutions That Make You More Productive and Efficient Throughout Your Workday. Well, this was music to my ears because this is a subject I am somewhat obsessive about. My work involves, in the most part, making applications accessible to the JAWS screen reader. But I'm also very interested in improving existing applications which are deemed to be accessible so that they are either easier to use or so you can be more productive, especially in the workplace. So this presentation is divided into several key sections. First, I'm going to talk about some of the ways that we can be more productive when using applications with a screen reader. Then I'll demonstrate some of the solutions that I've developed over the years, paying particular attention to how much time they can save. And then I'll demonstrate if I have time, one or two features the JAWS screen reader contains that provide an enhanced level of productivity. Now, just to emphasize again, if you've not picked up on this point already, which I'm sure you have, our company deals exclusively with using the JAWS screen reader or the Zoom Text Fusion screen reader magnifier. Why do we want to be more productive and efficient when using a computer and especially our screen reader? As blind people who may be working, we want to do everything we can to ensure that we're performing at the same level as our sighted colleagues. We can talk about the fact that we need the applications that we want to work with to be accessible and usable, but that's a two-way street. We need to put in a little effort in return, particularly for the company or organization employing us. As far as possible, we need to be working at a speed comparable to the other people who are working within the company or organization. Allowances will need to be made, but we should at the very least try to invest some effort in return, and there are ways that you can do that. The most obvious way is to increase the rate of speech. 
The faster you listen to the speech output, the more productive you will be. As I say, it sounds very obvious, but I've often visited a place of work to install JAWS for a user, and that person has been unaccustomed to synthetic speech, and so he or she has been using the default speech rate, which is really quite slow. I go back a few years later, and things haven't moved on. That person is still using the speech rate that I originally set up. So JAWS is talking at a very slow rate. I'm not expecting anyone to make a sudden and dramatic increase in adjusting the speech rate, but every few days or every week within JAWS, press Alt, Control, Windows and Page Up just once. The speech rate will increase very subtly. If you do it on a very gradual basis like this, you'll hardly notice it as the change is so slight. But you will, over time, be increasing the speech rate to a point where you're going to be much more efficient when using JAWS. The other top tip I would give you is try to learn as many shortcut keys for the application that you want to work with as possible. And that includes any shortcut keys for applications built directly into JAWS itself. These are often found under the help menu, or you can try using your favorite search engine just to search for the phrase shortcut keys followed by the application name. Apart from providing enhanced accessibility to various applications, our product Leasey, spelt L-E-A-S-E-Y, which works with JAWS, is a huge powerhouse of tools to make you more productive. In its most basic form, there are ways in which you can reproduce large blocks of text extremely quickly, read the number of words in a document, rapidly access folders and files, to name just three of the many tools within the product, which seems to grow on a monthly basis. But an area which has had an increasing amount of attention in recent years is reducing the spoken output that JAWS gives to you when working within applications. Increasingly these days, we're getting more and more oral and braille-based feedback thrown at us, which can cause a great deal of distraction when you're working. And having to listen to this information is a serious hit on productivity. This has happened because, in particular, Microsoft applications have become more verbose by sending more information to the screen reader that may or may not be relevant, but also seemingly not giving consideration to whether that information could be conveyed more efficiently or less intrusively. This propensity to spoon-feed us information, which many of us do not need, infuriates me no end. There is an argument to say, of course, that new users to the application concerned need verbose tutorial-like information so that they understand which keystrokes to press and what to use when. But it soon becomes extremely tiresome. We had a very good example of this recently that some of you may have noticed within the Windows operating system itself. Microsoft introduced some additional speech outputs sent to the screen reader when you used the start menu, something as basic as that. You would press the Windows key to bring up the start menu, type an application name, and what is meant to happen at that point is that you should hear the first application which has been located. The screen reader, however, was saying the words best match followed by the application name. Now, fortunately, this was stopped pretty quickly due to some intervention via the blindness community. But this kind of thing matters. Additional speech like this over time, as I say, decreases productivity. The developers of environments or applications like this, I'm sure are very well-meaning, but they're not thinking about the bigger picture. They're not thinking about what the end result of this might be. What I'm going to show you now are some good examples where a little creativity and thought make a huge difference.
These solutions, which I'm going to demonstrate to you, are offered either in our Lisi product or through many of my other scripting projects, all of which are available on our company website. So you can get them if you want them. I'll give you the details of that a little bit later on. But they all focus upon the work day. I've made very sure of that. Now, one of the applications in which many of us work extensively is Microsoft Outlook, including the calendar used to keep track of important appointments or events. Yet for many years, the navigation and inefficiency of navigating this application has been a bit of a dog's breakfast. Within the calendar, we move from one day to another by pressing the left and the right arrow keys. Let's hear JAWS now in its default configuration when using the calendar in this way. Day view, zero total events, 4 o'clock to 4.30 Tuesday, 20 June 2023. I just pressed the right arrow key and there I am on the Tuesday of this past week. Let me do that again. Day view, zero total events, 4 o'clock to 4.30 Wednesday, 21 June 2023. Day view, one total event, 4 o'clock to 4.30 Wednesday, 21 June 2023. One event, one free. Now you'll notice one thing there, and I'm deliberately not undertaking any audio production to fudge this at all. You are hearing exactly what JAWS is saying in its default configuration. So when I pressed right arrow there, the first thing it said is day view. And it says this every single time you press the left or the right arrow key. Now, <laughs> I don't know about you, but when someone is asking me over the telephone, for example, am I available on a particular date and at a specific time, I need to flick through my calendar extremely quickly so that I can get to the date that I want. I can look at what free time I've got and I can give that person an appointment. They don't want to be waiting around while I do that. And of course, no one in the workplace generally in a mainstream organization would expect the person on the other end of the phone to be inefficient about this. A sighted person will be able to look at their calendar very quickly and say, yes, I'm available on this date. And that's exactly what we should be able to do. The other thing that happened is that it said there are zero total events for this particular day. And then it changed its mind. <laughs> it said zero total events. And then it said one total event. So we'll forgive it for that. We'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Let's write arrow again. Day view, one total event, 4 o'clock to 4.30 Thursday, 22 June 2023. Let's press tab in order to find out what this event might be. Check Braille display settings with JAWS user, 1500 hours to 15.30 Thursday, 22 June 2023. Time busy, organizer Brian Arjun, one of one. That's not too bad. I would rather, though, have the time announced first. I'm not so interested in what the subject is, but I do want to know very quickly the time of that appointment so that, again, I can be very quick at responding to inquiries. So what's the upshot of all this? Well, if I want to navigate through my days to find out whether I've got appointments or not, let's press the left and the right arrow keys quickly. Day view, day view, day view, day view, zero total events, zero o'clock Tuesday, 20 June 2020. It takes several seconds for me to even find out which day I'm on because it's telling me day view. Then it's telling me the number of possible events, which may or may not be correct. And then eventually it's telling me the day that I'm on. It's just not very well thought out. So let's switch to our solution which is available in our Lisi product and also in our scripts for Outlook and Teams. And I'll show you the difference. Okay, so we're on exactly the same group of days. I'm going to press the right arrow. Tuesday, 20 June, 2023, zero items. Perfect. So you're hearing the day first. So we know which day we're on. If we don't like what we're hearing, we can just press the right arrow key quickly, interrupting the speech output. Let's move to the next one. Wednesday, 21 June 2023, one item. 
And without any difficulty at all, it's telling us the correct day and the correct number of appointments. Let's tab again. Thursday, 22 June, 2023, one item. Perfect. We use the term item rather than events because it could be an appointment or an event. And an event means an all-day event. So here we are on the Thursday. If I press tab. 1500 hours to 1530. Check Braille display settings with JAWS user one of one. We have got the time first, and then we've got whatever the subject is. Now, I do apologize. In terms of access to the calendar, Americans have the month first, then the day. But I'm sure you'll forgive me for that on this occasion, won't you? Condensing the spoken output is just part of trying to make working with this application more productive. As you tab through the appointments or events, you may well, as a blind user, miss important information. Let's say that you have two appointments. The first is on Monday at 1 p.m. and the second is on Tuesday at 10 a.m. If you first access the Monday 1 p.m. appointment by pressing tab to find out what its details are, then move to the next day by pressing the right arrow, the focus in the calendar is at 1 p.m. on the Tuesday. So by pressing the right arrow, it moves 24 hours forward in the timeline. It doesn't move to 12 a.m. on the Tuesday. The consequence of that is that if you press tab at that stage, you will miss the 10 a.m. appointment on the Tuesday. So our scripts present the appointments in a logical time order so that you will never miss any appointment. So that is one application where you could take a serious hit on productivity because of the lack of thought in the way that the information is presented. I've started with that because that's one of the poorer examples, but Microsoft Teams also gives us additional, very verbose information when moving through important areas of the program. Our JAWS scripts for Teams condense a lot of the spoken output. So here I am in Microsoft Teams, and I will press Control and number three in order to move to the list of Teams. Teams and channels list three view. Your teams open two of three. Now let's press down arrow. Jaws for Windows team favorited. Hit space for more options. Hold shift and control to select this team for reordering. Closed as pop-up one of three. What's wrong with that, you might say? Yes, it's tutorial information that's being spoken. That's true. And you might need that at the initial stages. And you might go on to think, well, you could easily press the down arrow key or press the control key to stop that additional speech. But did you notice something? It's important to know whether the team is opened or closed. For those who are not familiar with Microsoft Teams, this is a tree view and you need to know whether the team details are open or closed, because if they're closed and you want to expand the team in order to see important elements underneath, then you're going to want to open that by pressing the right arrow. But you'll hear that the status, in other words, whether it's opened or closed, is the last element in the sequence. So you're not able to skip over the tutorial information, are you? I'll arrow down. Internal testing team favorited. Hit space for more options. Hold shift and control to select this team for reordering. Open at pop-up. Okay, so that one is opened. And there's some other extraneous information there, which is has pop-up. We could do without that. Let me close this team by pressing the left arrow. Internal testing team favorited. Hit space for more options. Hold shift and control to select this team for reordering. Closed at pop-up. Two of three. I was also always taught to be particular in terms of my choice of language. We should never be hitting anything because someone will actually hit the space bar or the right arrow key, whatever it is, if you're not careful. Let's press the up arrow key to go back to that previous team. Jaws for Windows team favorited. Hit space for more options. Hold shift and control to select this team for reordering. Closed as pop-up. 
So I'll open it by pressing right arrow. JAWS for Windows Team Favorited. Hit space for more options. Hold shift and control to select this team for reordering. Open at pop-up. One of three. So eventually, we are being told that the team is open. And eventually, we're being told how many items are in this team. In this case, how many channels. Let's down arrow. General channel and JAWS for Windows Team Favorited. Hit space for more options. Checked at pop-up. One of three. That one's not too bad. Let's press enter. Enter. New conversation button. JAWS for Windows Team. General channel. And we'll just focus on the list of messages here. Threaded conversation with zero replies from Lacey Arjun. This is a test. Started on 07 March 2023, 133351. Press enter to drill into reply and read messages. Press enter again to drill into a message for other actions. Use escape to pop out. Use the down arrow key to focus on the reply button. Press enter to start your reply. Okay, so we've got a lot of information there. I think you've got the idea. Let's go to our scripts for Microsoft Teams, and I'll repeat the process. JAWS for Windows Team, favorited, closed. And you've immediately got a succinct summary of what it is and where you are. So it says, JAWS for Windows Team, closed. You're getting that information quickly. Arrow down. Internal testing team, favorited, closed. And up arrow. JAWS for Windows Team, favorited, closed. We'll expand that with the right arrow. JAWS for Windows Team, favorited, open. Arrow down. General channel and JAWS for Windows Team, favorited, checked. And we're not getting the tutorial information at all. Of course, you can get it, and that's an important factor. When you develop alternative solutions for applications like this, you must give a person complete control. That tutorial information may be required. But for a lot of us who want things very concise, it is removed. So let's move into this now by pressing enter. New conversation button. And shift tab back to the list of messages. Threaded conversation with zero replies from Lacey Arjun. This is a test. Started on 07 March 2023-13-33-51. And that's all we've got. It's lovely and clean. And if we move down the list of messages, we would get very similar output. Now, in addition to reducing the spoken information, there are keystrokes within our scripts which give you very important status information. Reporting this kind of information has always been at the heart of our company's JAWS scripts. So this applies to Teams, the Zoom conferencing client, which we're using now, or even WhatsApp. It's important to know whether your audio is muted or unmuted, for example, whether the camera is on or off. You'll certainly want to know that perhaps to avoid an embarrassing situation and whether you are recording an audio message and the length of that audio message. All of that information can be revealed to you through keystrokes. Again, I go back to what I was saying earlier. A sighted person would be able to quickly look at the screen and find out that information at a glance. And we should be able to do exactly the same thing as well, but it's so often overlooked or ignored. And one of the other things I do when creating JAWS scripts is to use audio cues as opposed to messages. The Zoom conferencing client, which we're using now, is a very good example of that, especially helpful when you're hosting meetings. One of the things that you'll want to do when you are hosting a meeting is to work very efficiently and quickly with the people who have their hands raised or to mute and unmute the audio of audience participants. You need to do all of that while conversing with your audience at the same time. The end result being that your Zoom webinars or meetings sound to some extent like a radio call-in talk show. The last thing you want is for people to be hanging around. You want to be able to acknowledge people very quickly, um, unmute their audio and uh, give them convenient feedback at the same time. So we have sounds to indicate audience members who have their hands raised. If you don't hear the sound, then their hand isn't raised. We also have sounds to indicate whether a user has his or her 
audio muted. Have you ever had a situation where you've had 50 or 60 people in a meeting and someone has unmuted their audio and they're talking to another person on the phone in the background somewhere or a family member has got the television on? You need to go through the list of audience members very quickly and find out whose audio is unmuted and do something about it in short order. So usually when you would arrow through the list of participants in a Zoom meeting, a JAWS through Zoom would say to you something like, Joe Johnson, computer audio unmuted. We haven't got time for that. We just want to hear the name of the person and perhaps a sound to play. And that will tell us whether the audio is muted or unmuted. We need to be able to move through these things fast and deal with it. I've also introduced abbreviations in the spoken output as well, again, to condense what you hear. For instance, ordinarily, if you were moving through the list of participants in a Zoom meeting, JAWS by default would say to you things like computer audio muted, whereas we just say muted. The words computer audio are superfluous. You don't need them. Again, it's thinking about good use of language. Another one would be no audio connected. We would say no audio. And there are many other examples as well. WhatsApp is an application traditionally used for keeping in touch with family and friends. I know we use it a lot at the weekends for that. But in some countries especially, it is used extensively in the workplace as well. Our JAWS scripts for WhatsApp contain more productivity features than you can shake a stick at. There is a great deal of emphasis placed upon reducing the spoken output, and that includes abbreviating or setting nicknames for people in your contacts or groups. Often, WhatsApp will insist on displaying a phone number rather than the person's name. With one of the utilities in the scripts, you can substitute that phone number or longer name to a short form of your choosing. Wherever you move to thereafter in WhatsApp, the new nickname is given to you instead. Of course, you can remove that at any time, but it's very useful, as are many of the other features in the scripts. Now, another feature forming part of our Lisi product, which could make you more productive and is very useful in the workplace, is called Virtual Notes. It's more than possible that you would like to work in one application while referring to notes in another one or within a series of applications. I do this a lot when I'm writing reports of assessments that I've previously conducted. I like to have my notes available that I took at the time, but I don't want to be moving out of the report that I'm writing in Microsoft Word. I want to be able to just refer to the brief notes that I've made pertaining to each topic at the time and then go straight back to writing my report so that I can expand on them. And we can do this with a feature called virtual notes. And not only that, but it works absolutely perfectly with Braille as well, which is another important consideration. I'll now show you how this works. Let's make this example as simple as possible. Let us say that I'm about to write a document, but I want to obtain two pieces of information from a website. I want to refer to that when I'm writing the document. So first of all, let's head on over to a website, shall we? I've got some text right here from our company website. Over several hours, you will learn that using Mastodon with Windows is not as difficult as you perhaps suppose, undoubtedly, when considering the various social media platforms. Mastodon is by far the most accessible, so it's important to encourage as many people as possible to be part of it. Now, I want that particular text to be available to me for some reason when I'm writing up a document. So the first thing I'm going to do is move to the beginning of this text. Over several hours. Over several hours is the first part. So I'm going to mark the beginning of that text on this web page. So I've marked that and 
you'll hear sounds are being played out here. Mastodon is by far the most accessible, so it's important. Okay, let's get to the end of that. Media platform Mastodon is by far the most accessible, period. Okay, so that's the end of the text that I want to be available to me elsewhere. So I'm going to mark the end of that. And that's all I need to do. The text is available to me in any application that I choose. I'll show you how we get access to that in a moment. So let me go to another web page now and grab another segment of text. Welcome to Arjun Consultancy. Arth and you'll hear two sounds there, a backwards sound, Beatles-esque, <laughs> which gives us an indication that we've gone to the previous page. And we got another sound to indicate that JAWS has successfully loaded that page. Again, all about efficiency. So let's arrow down to see what we can find. Visited link JAWS scripts for Twitter. Let's go into here. JAWS scripts for Twitter, Arjun Consultancy. All right. We'll find another piece of text here. It doesn't matter what it is. Since the demise of the majority of the specialist third-party clients to support the Twitter social networking tool, people have been attempting to navigate. Okay, that sounds like something we should be interested in, so let's mark the beginning of that. Continue to move down. The official website or Windows app with varying degrees of success. So I'm at the end of that now. Blank. And I'm going to mark that. So those two segments are added to what we call our virtual notes. And you could go on and on doing that for as many text segments as you like. But now we are going to write our document. You could get into an application. You don't have to be writing a document. You could be using another application in the workplace. But I'm going to get into Notepad here. Untitled Notepad, edit. Here I am in Notepad, and I want to access my notes. So I'm going to press a keystroke in order to get into them. Over several hours. And you'll remember that the first phrase that we actually selected was over several hours. This is in the JAWS virtual viewer, so it's instantly readable, line by line, word by word, and on our Braille display. And that's important. So let's just arrow down and see what we've got here. Over several hours, you will learn that using Mastodon with Windows is not as difficult as you perhaps suppose, undoubtedly, when considering the various social media platforms. Yes. Now, social media platforms begins the second line of text, but the third line on my Braille display. I've got a 40-cell Braille display here. So take a mental note of that, if you could. I'm on that line now. Social media platforms. And I finished reading that part of the notes. Don't forget, we've got more of them, but I finished reading that for now. I want to return to my document, so I'm going to press escape. Blank. And here I am back in Notepad. Untitled Notepad. And I can continue to write my report or whatever it is. Now, I want to go back to the notes. So I'm going to press the keystroke that we use to access those notes. Social media platforms, Mastodon is by far the most accessible. So not only am I on line two, where I left off previously, which is very helpful, particularly if you've got lots of notes, but as far as the Braille is concerned, I'm on line three because that's where I want to be. And this is absolutely essential if you want to read out loud to anybody. Maybe you're using an application as I am right now, Studio Recorder from the American Printing House. Well, what I like to do if I need to read out loud is to start recording and then quickly press the keystroke to get into my virtual notes. And I am able to start reading right away on my Braille display without fumbling around trying to find the place, etc., and doing lots of editing later. So for reports, especially when you're writing them in the workplace, you're able to have your notes readily at hand. You can back out of them at any time, write whatever it is in your reports or work with your application and then go back to them. And people are loving these virtual notes. 
let's just make sure that our second segment of text actually did get into the virtual notes before we move on. Social media platform, Mastodon is by far the most accessible. So that was the end of that, I think. But if we arrow down... Since the demise of the majority of the specialist third-party clients to support the Twitter social networking tool, people... Yes, that was our second set of notes. And it was denoted by a new line break. We're just over the halfway point now of this presentation, and I really hope that you're enjoying it so far. In a moment, I'm going to demonstrate just some of the many features that you can find within JAWS as a whole, so as to enhance your productivity. But before I do that, let me invite you at some stage to visit our website at hartchenconsultancy.com. That's H-A-R-T-G-E-N consultancy.com to find out more about all the various JAWS script packages that we have available. Don't do it now, though, will you? Because I've hopefully got some interesting things to say to you. The other thing I wanted to say was this. People often argue these days that scripted solutions, such as those that our company provide, are not the way to go. It's far preferable to let the developers of individual applications send messages to the screen reader. If we sit back, be complacent and do nothing, to some extent we are at the mercy of application developers. We have very little control over the spoken or braille-based output. We've already experienced what that's like when listening to the Outlook calendar. If something breaks on the accessibility side, we often have to wait many months for a solution. At one stage, I reported some issues relating to Microsoft Teams that were causing quite a problem for screen reader users and had to wait a year for a fix. So I say to those people, how long are we as blind people expected to wait until we can be productive once again, if something goes wrong. There is a lot to be said still for JAWS scripting. Lecture over. <laughs> now, in addition to the scripted solutions which are out there, JAWS itself contains a large number of tools to help us in the workplace. And one of those is called the Text Analyzer. When editing a document using speech only, inconsistencies such as unmatched brackets, unintentional format changes, extra white space, and stray or unspaced punctuation can often be missed. Text Analyzer is a tool that notifies you of these errors in your document by using a spoken message or playing a sound. You can configure JAWS to announce discrepancies by count, by description, or by sound while proofreading the document by line, sentence, paragraph, or say all commands. Braille users will also benefit from this, since a sound can be emitted before you've had a chance to read the entire line looking for errors. Now it's time to explore a document which contains errors. Word, edit. This is a document that I've prepared. It only contains, I think, three sentences, but it should be enough to demonstrate it to you. I'm going to start navigating the text line by line so you can hear the whole document. Base run at 28. I will now type a sentence in this document. I have inserted several bases. There is a space run at column 28, which means the 28th character space along the line. I pressed the space bar a number of times. That means that it's alerting us to that and we need to clear it up. How do you get to space 28? <laughs> well, you could, of course, move the cursor to where you think the point should be. Or there is a keystroke that you can press. I'll go through that in just a moment. Let me continue to move through the document, though, so you know what we have. After the full stopper period rather than one. Blank. Font change at P. Font change at C. The above paragraph is an aerial point size 12. This part has changed to point size 14. I changed the point size in the middle of the sentence in the document from the letter P of part 
to the letter C of change. JAWS is alerting us to that inconsistency. So again, it's doing a very good job of that. Blank. Unclosed left parent at 38. Now we are back to the regular font, which is my favorite, and it is the format in which I always type my documents. We have an alert to indicate that I opened the brackets in a sentence, but I didn't close them. So all of those errors are correct. The text analyzer has done a good job of that. Let's now go back to the top. Top blank. We have our first line here. Space run at 28. I will now type a sentence in this document. I have inserted several spaces. You can press the keystroke Alt Windows I, and this will move sequentially through the document and will set focus to each error in turn. Let's press Alt Windows I right now. Space run at 28. And here it is. If I start using the left and the right arrow keys now in order to let you hear what there is. Period. That was the left arrow key after the period or full stop. And now I'll press the right arrow key. Space, 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 I, India. I did press it quite a number of times, didn't I? So we would need to clean that up. I'm going to press Alt Windows I again. Font change 14 points. Start. So this is the start of where the point size changes. If I just left arrow. Space S Sierra. And I check the point size with insert F. Well, point black on white aerial normal style line spacing one line paragraph formatting aligned left outline level body text. So that's aerial 12. Let's just move on to the affected change. Space P Papa. And insert F again. 14 point, black on white, aerial. It's 14 point. So there's a definite problem there. And if I do it once more, Alt Windows I. Font change 12 points, change. That's the end of the font change. So let's press it once more. Unclosed left parent at 38. So what have we got here then? Space, left parent. Yes, there is the open bracket, which starts the phrase, this is my favorite. So... That's where I would put my closing bracket after the word favorite. So it's a correctly identified our errors. I'll press Alt Windows I again. No more inconsistencies. It says no more inconsistencies. Having moved through each error with Alt Windows I, you can always move back through them by pressing Shift Alt Windows I. You can turn off the text analyzer at any time so that it stops checking for inconsistencies. You do that by pressing insert space or caps lock with space, followed by A. Text analyzer off. And now it shouldn't do anything at all. Top blank. I will now type a sentence in this document. I have inserted several spaces. And it's not doing. But if I press Alt Windows I. Space run at 28. It's taking us through the errors. Now, there is a lot more that you can do with a text analyzer. For example, you can get JAWS to play a sound when errors occur, rather than giving messages. And you can change various other characteristics of it as well. It's an extremely powerful tool. To learn more about the text analyzer, you can go into JAWS Help, or our company has a training course that you can purchase, and it's called Jaw Muscles. And that teaches you how to use a lot of the Jaw's powerful features that it has. For example, there is an entire lesson on the subject of the Jaw's tool, which is called Skim Reading. And this allows you to find text segments with specific strings or matching individual font attributes and color changes. What I'm interested in doing today is just showing you some of the things that are possible in relation to using JAWS in the workplace. It's all very well being able to browse through your documents with the conventional Windows commands for doing so, such as up and down arrow, reading them with the say all command, that's insert down arrow, or perhaps moving by paragraph, control up arrow and control down arrow. But JAWS has a feature called Quick Navigation Keys. 
This is a feature by which you can move immediately to a specific area in the document. Apart from text, most documents are made up of elements if they are truly accessible, especially headings, but also tables, form fields, and many others. I'm now in a document containing various headings. So rather than reading all the text pertaining to a particular subject, you can move forward and back by heading. The keystrokes are H to move forward and Shift with H to move back. But if you were to press those keys on the keyboard ordinarily, you would insert characters into your documents, either a lowercase h or one which is capitalized. So to use these quick navigation keys, you need to press the keystroke to enable or disable them. And that is insert with Z or Z. If you're using the JAWS laptop layout, you're going to press the caps lock key together with Z or Z. Enabling it essentially traps the keyboard, so any keys that you press from that point will move to the next or previous instance of a document element. In this example, pressing the letter H will move to the next heading. Pressing the shift key with the character always moves to the previous instance of the element, in this case, a heading. I have the document here that we want. Heading navigation and finding text dot docs word edit. Let's explore the document together, just so you've got some context. I'm going to press insert with up arrow, which reads the first line. Usually, with one or two small exceptions, whenever I use the term insert, if you're using the laptop layout, you can use the caps lock key instead. So insert up arrow. Heading level one installing and configuring Lisi. You'll notice that JAWS is saying heading level one to indicate that there is a heading here. If I arrow down, blank. there's a blank line. And again, heading level two introduction. This is a heading level two entry. You'll know, hopefully, if you've browsed the web in the past, that headings are arranged in a hierarchical structure, with heading level one being the most important and heading level six being the least. So heading level one is our main entry in this document, and we have subsequent headings under levels two and three, depending upon the subject matter. So let's down arrow again. And again. In this chapter, we will walk you through the process of installing Lisi. We will also describe how to activate Lisi as well as some initial configurations which are required for your computer and Lisi to work together correctly. Working through. What you can observe is that we have our headings at strategic points within the document, but we also have intervening text. There may be a particular heading in a document that you are looking for, especially if it's a lengthy document and you want to bypass all the text in between them. This is where the quick navigation keys come into play. So I'm going to move to the top of the document now with Control Home. Top, heading level one, installing and configuring Lisi. Now I will enable quick navigation mode with insert Z. Quick keys on. It says quick keys on. From this point, as I've previously explained, the characters on the keyboard move to specific elements. So if I press H now, heading to introduction, and I press H again, heading to before you begin, you'll notice that I've skipped all that intervening text and I've moved to the next relevant information, which is entitled before you begin. I can see that on my Braille display. I can arrow down at this stage if I want to and read the intervening text. And by and large, that's essentially what you will want to do. The purpose of this is so that you can locate the heading of interest and you can move down and read the appropriate text relating to it. But let's continue to press the letter H. Heading three, the keyboard. And here we have a heading three, the keyboard. What is very good about this functionality with Microsoft Word is that it is very, very responsive. It's just like browsing a Microsoft Notepad document. When you arrow through a document using Office 365 and particularly Microsoft Word with JAWS, it's incredibly snappy. So you really are going to be able to get some good response out of this. Now, to prove the point, 
Let's just press shift with H in order to back up a little. Heading two before you begin. Heading two introduction. And if I do it once more. Heading one installing and configuring Lisi. Now that's the beginning of our document. But if I do it again. No prior headings found. It says no prior headings found. So we know we can't go any further. If you are going to type text into this document, and why shouldn't you? Because after all, Microsoft Word is a word processor. It's not just for reading. Then you will want to disable quick navigation keys. Please do not be caught out. I've seen many people when I've been training individuals using quick navigation keys, they have forgotten to disable them. And of course, when they start typing text, the position of the document is going to move because it's moving to all kinds of different elements on the page and the original position will be lost and you'll need to relocate it again. So be very aware of the state of the quick navigation keys with insert Z or Z. Now, how do you know what these quick navigation keys are? Well, when the quick navigation mode is enabled, you can press insert with H. Now, in this particular case, you cannot press caps lock with H if you are using the laptop layout. You need to press control, shift and the caps lock keys all together, together with the letter H instead. Quick keys on. Now I'll press insert H. Let move the next grammatical grammatical. And it insists on reading the entire screen, which is probably not what you want because you want to explore them at your own pace. So I've stopped it by pressing the control key. Now I'll move to the top of the screen with control home. Let move the next grammatical error. And what it's saying there is move to next grammatical error A. Arrow down. Let move the prior grammatical error shift plus A. Let move the next bookmark B. Let move the prior bookmark shift plus B. Let move the next comment N. So you've got all these different elements that you can move to. If you don't enable the quick navigation key mode by pressing insert Z or Z and you press insert H, you get other keystrokes. So you must have enabled this mode first before you can look at them. Link move the prior comment shift plus N. Link move the next protected edit form field E. Link move the prior protected edit form field shift plus E. So there are plenty of these elements, and I would suggest that you get to learn them. In most cases, there is some correlation between the keystroke that you are going to press together with the activity that it represents, such as H for heading and T for table, etc. Now, leading on from those quick navigation keys, here's a useful trick that you can use in Microsoft Outlook. It's quite common, particularly in a work or school environment, for email messages to include several people, resulting in lengthy message threads as participants reply and add to the conversation. When opening an email that contains a thread of messages, including replies or forwards, it can be time consuming to read through the thread with JAWS using the arrow keys to locate particular responses as you need to move through all of the header information for each message. I'm sure you've all seen this where you open up a message, you've got the person's reply and you want to see the preceding part of the conversation. The difficulty is that the person who has sent you the message has a very long signature. It contains their name, telephone number, email address, shoe size, you name it, it's there, followed by a whole load of terms and conditions. You want to bypass that and get to the preceding message, probably the one that you originally sent. To make this easier, you can now use the quick navigation keys N or shift with N to quickly move to and please focus upon the beginning of the next or the previous message in an open email thread, skipping over all of the header information. It's a little bit confusing because the letter N will 
take you to the next message that's in the thread. But invariably, that is the previous message in the conversation. So just bear that in mind. <laughs> Shift N will take you to the previous message that you are viewing. But actually, in reality, it is the more recent message in the conversation. So here I have a message in Microsoft Outlook, and I can freely distribute this because it went to a public email list. Replied Jonathan Mosin of Manta Camelina Suri, a positive experience. So here's the message that I've got. It's with a subject line, re colon, a positive experience. So when we open it up, it's going to provide Jonathan Mosin's message. That is the most recent in this particular conversation. Of Mantis Camelina Suri, a positive experience message HTML, read only edit. Hi, Brian, since the Mantis presents itself as a Bluetooth keyboard, the standard voiceover commands work. So we could read what he has to say. I'll just skip down a few lines. You can link five for those asking it keeps blank. Jonathan Mosin MNZM. And here is his signature. I want to skip that and move to the previous message in the conversation thread. So it's probably the one that I wrote. So I'm going to press the letter N. Of Manta Chameleon, sir, bounce at freelists.org on Thursday, 23 February 2023, 7.15 a.m. Well, first, please remember I am very new to this. I'm probably not the right person to ask. So that sounds like it may have been one that I wrote. It doesn't actually say my name because it's coming from an email list. But nevertheless, we are in a new message. If I press N again, of Mantis Camelina Sir Bounce at Freelists.org on 22 February 2023, 1654. Are you having any problems with JAWS Braylon or entering EO's keyboard command? And that's the previous message to that one. And N again, of Mantis Camelina Sir Bounce at Freelists.org on Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, 11 14 a.m. Block quote. Having this week purchased the Mantis display for the first time, I just want to relate that it has been a very positive experience. Ah, now that does sound like my phrasing. <laughs> so, yes, we should be at the first message in the thread now. In other words, the oldest one. So if I wanted to move up the chain so that eventually I get to the most recent message, I press Shift N repeatedly. Of Mantis Shamalina Sir Bounce at Freelists.org on 22 February 2023-1654. Are you having any problems with JAWS Braylon or entering EO's keyboard command? But again, of Mantis Shamalina Sir Bounce at Freelists.org on Thursday, 23 February 2023, 7.16 a.m. Well, first, please remember I am very new to this. I so you can see now that we are moving forward in time, and eventually we're going to get to the most recent message. It's a very useful feature, that is. I use it a lot. It's probably one of the features in recent versions of JAWS that I use most often. And on that high note, we will end this presentation. I could have talked all night, not danced all night, but talked all night about the different features within JAWS or indeed in our own products from Hartran Consultancy. Maybe I can talk to you all about those at some future time. I hope you've enjoyed what I've had to say. And if anyone has any questions about our company's products or indeed JAWS as a whole, then I will stay around for a little while and I'd be very happy to answer them. Thank you very much for listening to my presentation today. Brian, you, your presentations are always, always awesome. And I think we do have time for some questions if you can stay around. Yes, of um, course. Awesome. Okay. If our host could um, help with the raising hands. Deborah. Hi there, Brian. I am a huge fan of your Zoom scripts, and I will offer a testimonial that I think anybody who hosts meetings on Zoom really needs them. Thank you, Deborah. <laughs> My question is about Lisi. Um, I've listened to your presentations for years, but I've never bought the product because I always thought that it was kind of for beginners, you know, Lisi, you know, it's like easy, Lisi. And now I'm seeing that you're kind of focusing more on productivity. So can you explain a little bit about the product positioning and has it changed? Okay, thank you, Deborah. No, the uh, product positioning has not changed at, at all. There has always been two versions of Lisi. Uh, one is called, uh, we call it Lisi Basic, 
Um, and that is for people who have never used a computer before. LISI stands for Learn, Enable, Advance, So Easy. And it presents people with a menu structure of tasks which one would typically want to do with a computer when starting out. But we always had the thought that eventually a person was would want to let go of that menu-driven system. And so you can very quickly switch to Lisi Advanced. And that's why, uh, uh, well, where there are approximately, I would say, about 60 or 70 uh, enhancement and productivity tools built in there for what we might call the intermediate or advanced JAWS user. And I would say to you that about 98% of Lisi users, of which fortunately there are many, are in that group, intermediate or advanced JAWS users. We sell very, very few copies of the Lisi Total Package, which actually contains the Lisi Basic element. Uh, most people are using it for all the other things that are in there. Viola. Ryan, I have taken a number of your courses, of which I totally love. Speaking of Studio Recorder, and some of the other cl classes. Oh, that was a good one, wasn't it? It's, uh, yes. Thank it's certainly you so one much. of my favorite applications. I have used it. I've started uh, editing. Anyway, that's. I just wanted to comment on how wonderful and how precise oh. and to the point your presentations always are. And we here at BITS, thank you so much. And thank you very much. I really appreciate the feedback. It's lovely to get those compliments. Wes. Okay. I want to know, you talk about JAWS, but what do you have for users of voiceover? I have Macs and the job I have, I use run on Macs. So I'd like to know how I can improve my fish. Do you have anything to help voiceover users? And also I'm mostly a screen magnification user. So what ideas do you have for people that use a screen magnification? So the answer to this question is very easy. Nothing. Um, we are a company that um, specialize in the provision of assist assistance for people who use JAWS for Windows okay. or the Zoom Text Fusion screen reader magnifier, which basically incorporates um, a Zoom Text and also the JAWS screen reader. I gotcha. Yeah, because I was used to screen magnification and I'm trying to kind of, you know, work trying to. I was kind of trying out for a few months with working with this guy to see how, you know, if you like my work or not to go, go into a job. And he let me go because of lack of efficiency. And so I heard that last year, I think asked at a convention at a seminar and they say, I need to learn both not to screen magnify, but also move into screen magnification. And they did recommend the Fusion, you know, product from a, I, I think that's, I think that's very good advice. Um, when I'm training people who are low vision users um, and who are using Zoom Text Fusion, obviously there are going to be lots of things that you will want to do uh, when you are um, using screen reading uh, by listening to it, because that really can improve your productivity, as we've heard. But that isn't to say that you shouldn't forget about your vision altogether. It's important to use the vision that you've got in order to locate specific things as well. So you get into a kind of a paradigm where you use both. Sean? Um, good afternoon. Thank you, Brian, for your presentation. I have a question about your team scripts. I'm impressed with the um, amount of verbiage that they reduce. But I know my work is using Teams for work and school, and I believe it's probably not version two. Um, can I still get Zoom scripts from you that will, uh, that will help with that? Like I said, I can't remember exactly which version they're on, but I don't think it's version two. That is exactly what I'm using. Uh, teams, work or school, I think it's 1.6. Um, so that is what I'm using day to day. And the vast majority of the scripts, which uh, have been written over several years now, actually were written with that version of Teams in mind. We're just starting to get into improving the functionality for Teams 2, uh, which has only become available this year, but it's still not fully deployed yet. 
So uh, most things actually do work. So whichever version of Teams you wish to try, uh, you should be able to do that. It's just one or two gray areas, but mainly it's going to be the version one series. Diane? Yes. Hello, Brian. Uh, nice to talk to you again. Hello, Diane. Um, I have to say that uh, I am impressed with your company's willingness to um, to accept input from users and come up with, you know, incorporate their ideas into your product. And, you know, I've been on your support email list for years, and it's just so much fun to read the ideas that um, users are bringing to you and how many of them you incorporate into your product. Thank you very much. There's two things I'd like to say about that. First of all, whenever anyone suggests a really good idea, I get really excited about it, <laughs> particularly if I think that I can actually uh, incorporate it into one of our products. Um, and uh, I, I get the bit be between my teeth, so to speak, and I won't rest until it's actually finished and it's uh, been passed to the beta testers. The other thing, though, um, is that I really enjoy training people how to use this technology. I think it's a very important part of product development. I don't want to be just sitting preparing a product with no interaction um, with people at all, because it's only when you're training people, you can see perhaps some of the difficulties that they're getting into with applications that you perhaps didn't even think about when you conceived a particular feature for a product. And then once I've seen that, I can go back and I can think to myself, well, yes, we did hit this situation. What can we do in order to improve it? And uh, it's those two things which I think make our products very user-driven. And so I really appreciate the feedback that you've uh, just given me there. But uh, no, it's it's something that we'll, we'll always do, hopefully for many years to come. And Brian, that is it for Raised Hands. Okay, lovely. Thank you. Well, uh, before we close, uh, Jeff, do you have any comments? Well, I just want to personally thank Brian for the great presentation, and uh, we hope to have you back at, at some point to uh, get some updates. As I know you're constantly evolving your uh, lineup of, of training material as well as scripts and, and you know features across all of those. So I, I'm especially fond of a lot of your audio editing uh, training material that you've produced for, for Reaper and and even you know going way back to Gold Wave and Soundforge and all those things. So keep up the outstanding work, Brian. And uh, again, thank you so much for being here. Once again, thank you to you, Jeff, and to Erlene and everybody who is uh, part of Bits. I always register for the ACB convention the minute I possibly can, and I'm looking forward to participating or at least uh, being uh, part of listening to uh, future sessions as we go through the next couple of weeks. Thank you for inviting me today, and I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. I want to thank Brian and Jeff and everyone who participated in this presentation. And if you'd like to learn more about BITS and hopefully join us, please visit our website, bits-acb.org. And I also want to extend our thanks to those who worked behind the scenes to help make this presentation possible. Thank you.